we're in a series called The Wilderness and um, just walking through snapshots in the desert season of Israel from Egypt to Mount Sinai. And we have been learning a lot, just different lessons through these snapshots. Now, the wilderness can have surprising effects. I bet you that if you would look back to a season in your life that you would call a difficult season, there's no doubt in my mind that some of us, maybe many of us, would recognize some extraordinary things that happened. When I I say extraordinary, I mean a positive learning thing. Maybe some of us in a difficult season in our life met, met met our spouse. Maybe some of us found a new job. Maybe some of us learned something that changed our lives completely. And though the season was difficult, we can look back and say, if I wouldn't have learned this in this moment, I don't know where I'd be today. And so uh, my hope today as we walk through this next snapshot in the wilderness is that our eyes would be open in wilderness seasons like this. In fact, I really believe that conversions can take place in this season. Conversions of faith, where someone actually comes to know Christ, and conversions of other kinds, where we grow in a specific way, where God does something to reveal something in us that grows us in specific parts of our lives. So I want to turn to this next snapshot. It's in Exodus 18. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Exodus 18, and, and we're going to be reading from parts of it today. Uh, Uh, Last week we read the whole story. This week we're just going to skim through it and then highlight some verses. But in this next snapshot, in in Exodus 18, uh, if you're not familiar with this part of the story, we we meet a man named Jethro. And um, Jethro happens to be Moses' father-in-law. So Moses' wife's dad, his name was Jethro. Now, Jethro is a Midianite. And he comes from the clan or the tribe of Midian. And interestingly, last week we met a distant cousin of Israel that didn't go too well for them because the Amalekites attacked them. But this week, as they're in the wilderness, they meet another very distant cousin whose name is Jethro. In fact, one of Abraham's wives named Keturah had a son called Midian. And then from Midian came this group called the Midianites. And Jethro's part of that group. So here's Moses' wife and kids. Um, They end up visiting their father-in-law for a while. uh, And he's now returning them back to Moses and the Israelites. And as I'm reading this story, actually, you might be thinking, like, how does that work? Like, did did Moses' wife just say, hey, Moses, look, my dad is just across the desert. And me and the kids are going to stay with him for a week or so. Uh, we got to get away from all this grumbling. So see you later. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. And now Jethro's bringing, uh, you know, his daughter and grandkids back to Moses. We don't know how that happened, but we know that it did happen. And now they're coming back together again. And something beautiful takes place in this snapshot. Jethro hears all of what God has done for Israel. Now, he probably started to hear it from his daughter and maybe his grandkids, but now Moses uh, begins to share the bigger picture with him, and Jethro listens, and Jethro responds. Here's part of the story. Verse 9 says this, Jethro was delighted to hear all about the good things that the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. 
Now I know the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. So here we have Jethro hearing the story and now starting to respond to the story. And I love what verse 12 says. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. Did you catch what happens here? Jethro hears this story, and in the hearing of this story, in the telling of this story, Jethro encounters the God of Israel, the God who has been leading Moses and leading the Israelites. And in fact, a conversion takes place. Now, it's not necessarily the first conversion in scriptures. It's one of the earlier ones, but it's one of the first detailed conversions in scriptures where we hear a little bit more of what happens. It's pretty incredible that Jethro, a non-Jew, would come to know the God of the Jews. God uses this difficult wilderness experience to reveal himself to Jethro. He cares and longs for someone like Jethro to know who he is. Jethro's interaction with Israel leads to this new moment in his life, leads to this revision in his life, a new orientation of faith. In fact, that's why we call it a conversion. And it takes place. Now, Jethro is a non-Jew. And Jethro comes to know the God of the Jews. It's a little mini fulfillment of what God promised Abraham, uh, you know, decades and centuries actually earlier. And then this mini fulfillment of Israel's purpose that they will be a light to the nations. And Jethro is one of these pockets throughout the Old Testament where the world gets a glimpse of who God is. It doesn't only happen when Christ comes. It happens in fuller, in fullness when Christ comes. But it starts happening in these many moments, these many fulfillments of Israel's purpose as a light to the nation. Now, this is a really cool story, but Jethro isn't the only person to change during this visit. In fact, something happens to Moses as well. Jethro notices something destructive with Moses' leadership while he is responding to the needs of the people. You can imagine uh, thousands of people and Moses is seen as their leader and Moses is seen as the discerner of wisdom among them in their disputes and in their issues and in their needs. And Jethro notices something. Verse 40, 14, Jethro says this. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he says... What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Here's Moses sitting alone, the only one doing this from morning till evening, giving counsel, advice, guidance, and care. And Jethro points out here in verse 18, he says, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Jethro notices, Moses, what you're doing, it's too heavy for you. You cannot endure this. And you and everyone around you is going to wear out if you keep leading them in this way. So Jethro makes a suggestion that he would stop counseling them alone, that he would not be the only counselor, the only person of wisdom there, but that he would split up Israel in pockets and smaller groups and equip some able people uh, and teach them how to counsel the people, how to take care of the people, and then only the major issues would come to Moses. Moses. 
And in verse 22, we read this halfway through. Uh, we read that, that it, it, this is what Jethro says. He says, it'll make your load lighter because they will share it with you. In the NRSV, it says, you will be able to endure this in a better way and the people will go home uh, more satisfied. They, the, the burden will be, will be spread out. And I love what verse 23 says. I kind of already mentioned it. If you do this and God so commands, I love this, you will be able to stand the strain or you will be able to endure. And all these people will go home satisfied. Or all these people will go home in peace. This is an incredible moment for Moses. This is a, 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 such an, an important moment for Moses. In his life. In his leadership. And that's why I say it's like another conversion takes place. A conversion that Moses needed. Not necessarily a conversion of faith but a conversion of living out his faith and living out his vocation that God has given him. Now, there's been leadership books written on Jethro's advice on how to make sure that one person doesn't carry the load but learns to disperse and delegate and train and equip other people. To be honest, I've had to be reminded of this principle over and over uh, you know, over the years. And I still do. There's still moments and seasons in my own leadership where someone has to tell me, Dave, you don't have to carry this alone. Uh, Dave, you should not be the one doing this. Dave, there's other people around. And here's really what happens is sometimes we don't see it. And the, the big idea in this snapshot, which I love and is so appealing uh, to me, is that though the wilderness can be tough, and it can be, if you keep your eyes open, there's room for revelation and there's room for conversion and there's room for growing in new ways. So my question to you is this. Are you looking for revelation in the wilderness? Are you open to revelation in the wilderness? Are you open to learning something new? In fact, I was just chatting with uh, someone who's serving here today. John Roberts is around. I know you saw him on the screen reading scripture, but he's helping us out as his wife is also here uh, as well. And he was telling me something about school and how, how all the teachers in college in CGIP, which he teaches, you know, are talking about, you know, we've done school for 20 years like this. And this, this last season, we're all learning something new. And maybe in the middle of this, of this pandemic, we're learning stuff that is going to help us for the next several years. And that's, that's kind of what's going on. Are we open to revelation? Are we open to something new? Because here's the temptation that I have and the temptation that I'm sure you have is let's just get through the wilderness. Let's just get through this season. Let's just get through this semester. Let's just get through this quarter. And then it's going to be all over. And then we're going to go back. And what if, what if we keep our eyes open for something fresh? What if we keep our eyes open for something new? What if we keep our eyes open for a revelation from God? A revelation of faith or a revelation of his wisdom? Because here's some of the common lies that you and I will believe in wilderness-like seasons. One lie is this, that God is just quiet that God just remains silent. And yes, there are seasons where it feels like God is silent. But the lie is that it's just a given. It's just, uh, you know, expected that God is going to be silent in the wilderness, that he's not going to reveal anything to anyone anymore in this time period. And that is a lie. 
And I love how we see it in this story where Jethro is revealed who God is, where Moses learned something new. Another lie that's going to be fed to you in the wilderness is, this is my sucky moment. Yes, I used the word sucky on Sunday morning. This is my sucky moment. And it's like, you know what? Everything sucks. I don't have time to think of others coming to know God. I don't have time to think of other things. Let's just get through this. And, and that's a lie. That's a lie fed to us. That because we're going through whatever we're going through in a wilderness season, that, you know what? I don't need to think about anybody else and nobody else matters. And that's a lie. Another lie is, this is my burden to bear. I've got to do it alone. That's a lie that was fed to Moses. This is my burden to bear. This is my role. And maybe you're going through a wilderness season and you're like, you know what? I've got to do this. I've got to take care of this. I've got to make this happen. I've got to do this alone. That's a lie. These are lies that were fed in the wilderness. But I think God wants to do something different. I believe God wants to transform your capacity and my capacity in the middle of the wilderness through revelation, through his wisdom, or that he will use the, the wilderness to grow your capacity, to grow your gifts, to grow your vision for the rest of your life. That this season, that a wilderness season that you're going in, God will use to grow you and grow your capacity and grow your vision for the rest of your life. Now let's get back to the story for a second and just consider what this meant for Moses in his role. All right? So first thing is, Moses held up the line because he didn't ask for help. There was a line of people waiting and waiting and waiting from morning till evening, waiting to get their advice or guidance or their dispute uh, taken care of. And Moses held up the line because he didn't ask for help. Moses didn't look for or didn't notice the potential in his own community. He did everything all by himself. Now, it's true. The wilderness can be lonely, but we shouldn't make it more lonely. The wilderness was probably a lonely place for Moses, but there's, we don't have to make it more lonely. And as Jethro shows up, and, and just a different person from a different perspective, uh, with a different set of eyes, he comes in and he shows Moses how to, and here's what he shows Moses how to do. He shows Moses how to collaborate. He shows Moses how to collaborate with the people that he's with, with the community that he's a part of. That's such an important lesson that he had to learn from someone from the outside, someone who was a non-Jew, someone who wasn't in their situation with fresh eyes. Think about it this way. There's something you're going through or something you're trying to accomplish that you're trying to accomplish alone. And a fresh set of eyes might come in and say, why are you doing this alone? Why don't you learn to collaborate? You don't have to do this alone. There's this Jethro moment, and I believe there's Jethro moments for you and me. There's Jethro moments if we just look around because we are holding up the line. You're holding up the line in a vision that you're working on. Maybe you're holding up a line in the relationship that you're trying to heal. You're holding up the line in a ministry you're trying to start or trying to grow. You're holding up a line in the project you're trying to finish or the need you're trying to meet. And what we learn from this moment, from Jethro to Moses, is start collaborating. Start reaching out. Start asking for help. 
you will burn out and the people around you will burn out. I was inspired by a story recently right here in our city in Montreal. Uh, there's a friend of ours called Michel Monet and uh, he's a pastor in Hochelaga Maisonneuve on the east side of our city and he's also a community organizer and leads a community organization called Care Montreal. And recently, he, he's been burdened uh, by the needs of the community, but particularly the homeless needs. And you've been tracking with the news that the issues uh, for homeless people right now, especially during COVID, have been very difficult with, with space and shelters and safety and health precautions. And so there has been a need to, to put together some temporary shelter for homeless people. And Michelle saw that need. And his organization, Care Montreal, saw that need. But they, I think they also recognized they could not do this alone. They could not figure all this out alone. They could not make it happen alone. And when you read the news reports of what they've done, Care Montreal and another organization called Cap St. Barnabé, these two organizations have joined forces to collaborate. And then through their resources and their networks and their friendships have been able to put together a plan where they're now using the, 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 the Pierre Charbonneau Arena right beside the Olympic Stadium, and they're housing over 100 homeless people in temporary shelters, safe, warm, fed. And you look back at that story and you say, that could only happen because Michelle in Care Montreal said, uh, we need help. Uh, we have a vision. We have a project. There's a need to meet. We need to collaborate. And they collaborated with another organization. They collaborated with other people. And it's just so amazing. But here's the, the point in this. Michelle or Care could have held up the line. Like other organizations, it tends up happening to. Happens to us. But there's something that takes place when we learn to collaborate. that changes things. Now, it wasn't only Moses who held up the line. The people held up the line. It's true. The people didn't ask to help. We don't see that in the story, at least. Maybe they didn't realize they could. Maybe part of it was Moses' fault because he didn't ask them. But we also don't see them stepping up to help without being asked. I don't know about you, but have you ever been on a line, like a lineup of like 40 or 50 people, and you're waiting for food? Uh, maybe there's a meal being served or something, and there's one person behind the table serving like the main dish, the salad, the rice, the dessert, and they're, they're doing everything. And all of a sudden, like you're waiting, and it's taking long, and you're getting frustrated. Maybe your kid's beside you. You're like, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. We're getting really hungry. It's like one person at a time. It's so slow. And then... You notice something in the middle of the complaining, in the middle of the frustration, one, two, three people, they get out of the line and they go to the table and they talk to the person who's serving and they say, hey, can I help? Hey, can I, can I serve a dish? Can I take care of the dessert? Can I take care of the salad? And then all of a sudden they change their role. What do they do? They become contributors. They become contributors in that moment. They were part of the reason that the line is held up because they're part of the population there. But they're thinking, oh, if I become a contributor, I can help. And immediately the line starts to move quicker and people are being served. And even those who are contributors eat faster than they would if they would have just stayed in the line. Here's the point here. Don't make the wilderness worse by being only dependent on other people, only dependent on the services that are being provided. But start being a contributor 
in your community, a contributor in your relationships, a contributor in your workplaces, a contributor here at church. Start contributing to the greater community and see what happens because there's a place for you to contribute. And here's what we learn. Moses needed to collaborate or risk burning out. The people needed to contribute or risk losing out. We all risk something when we don't collaborate or we don't contribute. So as we slowly come to a close here, I want to just have you look at your life. Think about your life. Maybe you want to do this beyond today. Journal, think about it, pray through it. Look at your life and ask yourself, where's the line being held up? Where's the line that I'm in being held up? Or maybe the line that I'm responsible in being held up? And then ask, what's your next step? Maybe for some of us, we have some responsibility and we need to learn how to collaborate. Collaborators ask for help. Contributors ask to help. And depending our role and depending the circumstance and depending the project, you can be a collaborator who asks for help. You can be a contributor who asks to help. Really important things to learn in the wilderness. And then as you think about that, I want you to remember, I want us to remember this, and this just blew me away from this snapshot in Exodus 18. There's something, something bigger happening in the wilderness that day, and it's this. And you and I need to remember this every single day. God is still at work. God is still at work revealing and speaking and drawing. He's revealing himself to people. He's revealing his wisdom to people. He's revealing himself to people that don't know him. He's revealing his wisdom to those who are seeking and searching. God is still at work. God is still revealing. And that's one of the most beautiful things that can happen in wilderness-like seasons. The lie is that, no, God's not at work. God's quiet. God doesn't want to reveal. God doesn't want to still work. This is just a season we got to get through. It sucks. Let's move on. But one of the most beautiful things to know is God is still at work revealing in the wilderness himself and his wisdom. That God is not far off. That God is not quiet. That God is not hiding. That his wisdom is not hidden. He's not holding it back. He's still present and available. And in this snapshot, so awesome, he used Jethro to reveal wisdom to Moses and Israel for their own good and their own growth. He used Jethro. Moses became a better leader. Israel became a better community because they welcomed Jethro's words. And that was God's wisdom to them in that moment. But he also used Moses and Israel to reveal himself to Jethro. Jethro's interaction with Israel, Jethro's hearing the story of Israel turned him towards God. And a conversion took place. In Jethro's life, in the wilderness. So, how might God use you? How might God use this wilderness season? How might God want to reveal something to you or for you or to others around you? What if God wants to reveal Himself to someone around you in fresh ways? Have you believed the lie that God's not speaking, that God's not drawing, that God's not interested? There are people around us that are far from God. 
There are people around us that are open to a revelation from God. There are people around us that would love to hear the story of God in your life if you would just take the time to share it. They're willing to hear and listen. And they could respond. There could be a Jethro in your life. There likely is a Jethro in your life right now. But God also wants to reveal his wisdom to you in the specific way you need it. I've said this before, and I love quoting Dallas Willard on this, that Jesus is the smartest person in the universe. And when we submit our lives to him and call him Lord and, lead it, and let him lead us, he wants to lead every part of our lives. How might God want to share his wisdom for you in the specific way that you need it? In your relationships, in your stewardship, in your vocation, occupation, family, life. Maybe it's even from Jethro's in your life. Whatever source he might provide, God's, God wants to reveal his wisdom to you. And this day in the wilderness for Jethro and for Moses and for Israel was amazing because they were all discipled in different ways. And we too can experience that. And I want to believe that's possible today. So let's pray. Oh God, we... Uh, Wow, we're so grateful, God, how we can see this snapshot. Oh, God, expel the lies, the false narratives, the blinders that we might have on us that want to believe that you don't speak or you're not active or at work right now in this season, but you are. Oh, God, expose the lie that, that there's no one around us that wants to learn from you or hear from you or know you. Or the lie that there's no wisdom to be gleaned. Or, no more, or no, more ways, no more ways to grow, God. God, extinguish those lies and help us to be open to your revelation. Oh God, I pray right now for the Jethro's in our life. Lord, give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see who they are. Give us faith and uh, confidence to move out and to share your story and your story in our life to them. Oh God, I pray for those who desperately need wisdom in certain situations. And it's right now in this wilderness season that you want to reveal something special to them. You want to grow their capacity. You want to transform their, their role as a husband or a wife or a friend. You want to transform their, their, their vocation of singleness or marriage, their, their, their leadership role, uh, their work as an employer, an employer, God. Oh God, there's specific wisdom you want to reveal and share and speak. May we be open, Lord Jesus. And God, as we move into this, these next few moments celebrating communion together, open our hearts up, open our minds, help us to see your presence involved in these elements as we participate in them. In Jesus' name, amen.